Welcome everyone to the Retail Corner Podcast from Proxima 360. The purpose of our podcast is to bring a relaxed and educational environment to discuss the current retail landscape, best of breed products, and retail business best practices. You will always find us talking with business users, technical resources, and retail experts on how they are and where they are headed. to the Retail Corner Podcast. We're very excited to have one more episode with you guys. And today we're going to be talking to Roy Clipper. Roy Clipper, the CEO of City Hive. How are you doing, Roy? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Carlos. Oh, I'm so excited to have you as well. Just to give you guys a little background on Roy, uh, Roy was born and raised in Israel. He pursued a computer science PhD and came to the United States uh, to pursue postdoctoral studies at Cornell Tech, which amazingly, Cornell Tech actually became an investor to his company, CD Hive. He co-founded CD Hive uh, with the most talented engineer that he knew, or engineers, I should say. Uh, and then they joined forces in the mission to make cutting-edge technology available and accessible at every scale of independent businesses that are challenged with the face pace of their prospective industry. Uh, Roy has a lot of experience in data science and also in data analysis. And he specializes in data mining, machine learning, and artificial intelligence algorithms design and implementation. Uh, so Roy, it's so exciting to have you. Tell us a little bit more before we really get into the interview. How was it to have Cornell University be so excited about your project to actually become an investor to the project? <laughs> So the the details are are, are, are a little bit uh, uh, different than than, uh, than you know the uh, the story here. Uh, so actually, uh, I completed my PhD at the Hebrew University in Israel, and then I left the academic world and became a um, head of innovation and data science in a, in a large security corporation in Israel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then uh, also as a uh, side, I started my own uh, data mining company and had some uh, very few clients in, in New York, uh, a, a somewhat of a consultancy. And right around that time, about two years after completing my PhD, I got a, uh, a, an offer to um, do a postdoc. Mm -hmm. at and uh, there was a path that I could have taken, which was a purely academic and continuing with, uh, you know, research. And then there was an alternative path which just opened up at Cornell, through Cornell Tech, which is the technological campus of Cornell that's located in Manhattan. At that point, it was located at the Google building just before they built the campus in the, on Roosevelt Island. Uh -huh. And that, uh, that offer was to come and do a postdoc that is not academic. And the concept of that postdoc was uh, taking uh, academic uh, know-how and capabilities and translating them into a company. So I actually came to start a company to begin with. 
And oh, okay, okay. Wow, that's really interesting. I didn't know Cornell Tech kind of offered those. Yeah, so I'm, I'm cohort number one. We were six. I think today four companies are still alive and kicking. Wow. And, and even uh, fairly successful. Um, was by now there's quite a few cohorts. Cornell has been uh, very helpful in getting me set up to build a company. Mm -hmm. But in effect, we only launched the company basically two years after I started my postdoc in 2016, after I completed my, uh, my postdoc. Wow. So, uh, that's been the case. Cornell, uh, I think, is a... Uh, well, we're both fortunate to have uh, partnered together, and Cornell has uh, a, a stake in the company, and I think he's very happy with that at this point. Oh, that's 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 an amazing story, you know, and and I think that's so inspiring that you were kind of the beta group, right, of, of that experiment that Cornell did. And I think for all of our listeners out there, you know, this is an opportunity if you, for all of you entrepreneurs, if you're thinking about projects and everything, you know, I think uh, it's a great opportunity, right? Uh, Roy, if you don't mind me saying, you know, guys, reach out to Roy and I'm sure he can provide some mentorship into how to go about that path uh, since he's been there, done that, and he's been there, done that in a very successful manner. And with that, Roy, uh, you know, talk to us about City Hive. You know, what what is City Hive? What do you guys do for small independent retails, retailers nationwide? Uh, give us a little feedback. Sure. So very early on in the life of the company, we, we, we identified a need uh, we're not really sure how to solve it, but we're very, very clear that there's a need, and that need uh, revolved around independent businesses, not necessarily small, by the way. Okay. We're talking about, uh, I would say, small, medium, and even large independent businesses, where there's a good understanding that technology uh, provides both an opportunity and, and a challenge. Uh -huh. There's also willingness to invest in deploying technology and using data, but there's little know-how within the organization on how to do that effectively, which, which leads to uh, things like uh, doing things that are very comfortable for the, the organization, but don't necessarily yield return on investment in any effective way. One thing that we've seen, you know, in many different organizations, uh, already in 2016, but, but through the years, again and again and again, companies understanding that there's a lot of value in data and a lot of data, a lot of value in, um, in machine learning uh, capabilities. Uh -huh. And so what they go ahead and do is they establish a data pool. So they, they hire someone, a, a, an agency or a consultant, and they start accumulating data. And, and while that sounds like a fundamental good first step, it's typically expensive. And once you get into the actual use case, you'll find out in many more cases than not that the data that you accumulated is either the wrong data or it's not really available for you to actually extract the value that you So we've seen businesses investing tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars in, in, in basically in technology 
Mm-hmm. Artificial ability to um, capitalize to, uh, to reap the rewards of that. So the 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 thing that CIA was very good at very early in, in our in our life was de-risking that process. We we took in customers with zero risk, meaning no upfront costs. And we started talking to, at, at the beginning, retail stores, and then later on, larger retail stores and distributors and suppliers, and started talking with them about potential use cases, and then implementing those use cases and building small partnerships around it. If we're successful, this is the business model around this. And luckily for us, we've been fortunate to generate a lot of value and grow very quickly. And in uh, five years of uh, existence, we're now um, serving about 2,500 retailers, about 1,000 suppliers and distributors in the wine and spirits industry with a range of different use cases. And what's also nice about it is that the churn for CTI, a SaaS company also measured by churn, is we've lost in five years maybe a handful of customers. That's a result of two things. We're able to drive the value and we don't, we only charge for the value. We don't, the business model is, is, is effective. So that's kind of like where we're at today. And then I, get, I can get into details of what we end up doing for our clients, which is very, very scary. Okay, wow. No, that's super interesting. And, and Roy, you know, uh, with, with the whole pandemic and of course businesses being forced to become digital, how has that really impacted your company and the services that you guys offer? Has it, has it increased the ability to help your customers or have you seen more limitations? And where do you stand with your competitors? So a few things that the pandemic created. Uh, first of all, we were considered a very good company before the pandemic. Mm. And our, our, uh, our uh, uh, perception in the, in the industry within the customers that we serve and within general uh, uh, customers was very high. Uh, already before the pandemic, but at the same time, we were considered as a nice to have, not as an essential infrastructure. Okay. It was like, uh, yeah, we know we need it, but we probably have five years in to kind of like this. Is- yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like it was a perspective of the cherry on top of the banana split, right? Like exactly. it looks and- nice and pretty, but I don't feel like I needed to operate. No, so everybody that we spoke to was kind of excited, saw the value. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The ones that went ahead were, I would call early adopters, the ones that they kind of understand and are not afraid of, a, of, a, of testing. And, and it helped that, you know, there was no upfront uh, cost. So there wasn't really a financial risk. There was more an attention risk. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when the pandemic hit, um, the, it created an environment where there was higher uncertainty, uh, there was a deeper need of technological solutions to solve a touchless experience and curbside and managing with a, a, 
extreme efficiencies because suddenly, you know, a store that used to be managed with uh, 10 employees for constraints imposed on us by reality suddenly needed to operate at the same level of efficiency or higher levels of efficiency with three employees, which made the need for creativity in, in the deep technological sense much higher. Yeah. CDI really stepped in and really flourished. And at times, like at the peak of the pandemic, April, May uh, 2020, CDI basically grew, uh, grew its business between March uh, 2020 and May 2020 by about 35x. Wow. Wow. So we're talking about a business that runs at an annual run rate of about half a billion dollars with 11 people uh -huh. and really like deploying a continuous deployment, complete, continuous uh, 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 development uh, multiple times a day and really pushing uh, the boundaries. And at one point, like their really big companies were not standing, but CDI kept kept running ahead of its competition and really pushing our clients. The clients that work with City Hive uh, obviously had a banner year, uh, which today, you know, in 2021, where, uh, you know, we're working very hard to meet and exceed. But, you know, you're coming from 2019, 2020 with, with an X of a double digits across the board. And then once the technology is there, once the consumers really uh, are engaged with that technology, it's there to stay. And then you could get creative as a business. So you already have the, the, the infrastructure in place. Uh -huh. You already have the consumers onboarded on the platform because they had no other way to interact with you before during the pandemic. So now in 2021, things are opening up. You already have that infrastructure and you, you can get creative and creating very, very exciting experiences like clubs, subscriptions, uh, engagement, um, all kinds of cross-industry collaborations that are kind of core component of, of, of the CDI platform. Yeah. And I, and I think you touched on a couple of things just now uh, on how really the digital platforms really enhance the face-to-face -face interaction, right? Through loyalty programs, to clubs, through all these digital things that we can convey messages and create kind of a personal relationship, right? Uh, and, and from your perspective, where do you see that engagement between technology and face-to-face -face going together into the future? So I'll start with the challenge that we've had. I mean, when we came to a conversation, and we, when, still when we come to conversations with potential customers, business customers, mm. we're compartmentalized as a, um, a, an e-commerce solution. We're not an e-commerce solution. We're a digital solution. We don't think that e-commerce exists but, well, it does exist independently in certain domains, but it's not necessarily the case that e-com is an independent business. We we keep telling our clients that e-com digital is a muscle in your business. And it's only good if at the end of the day you have a stronger business, a bigger, a bigger business 
higher top lines, better margins. And that's kind of how we're measuring it. And we're not measuring it on the e-com part. Mm -hmm. We have conversations with our clients about the total business, even though we'll be processing uh, the e-com part, but we'll be observing how that affects the, uh, the in-store transaction and how we can, as a business, increase food traffic, increase basket size at the store level. And digital as, as an infrastructure exists already in the in the store level. So you know, you have the POS, mm -hmm. we have digital signage, ESL, all the customers are walking around with their with their phones. And so the the question that that we're trying to solve for businesses is how do we bring all those things that exist and and create a, a rich connected environment for the retailers to succeed in maintaining and getting a relationship with the consumer. Absolutely. Once you have the relationship and you own the consumer relationship, sales will come. Yeah. Yeah, and, and most importantly, absolutely. And most importantly, to your point, once you have that relationship, sales will come in a repetitive manner, right? Which is what every business wants. There's there's no business if you have a one-time customer, right? So as you very well mentioned, once you can build that connection, once you can build that relationship with your customer, then they become repeat customers, right? Obviously becomes like a family, a welcome to my home, which is my store, and here I am to you every day of the week, right? So that's amazing. And one last question for you. So before before we jump we, yeah. before we jump ahead of course so i think all that all that is 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 right to the point and but you need to translate it to numbers right and those numbers are, are you know very common but they really measure at the store level so you know in eco a cost of customer acquisition is the most basic things to, thing to look at LTV, long-term value of the customer, is something that, you know, if you're not looking at it and you're in eco, then you probably have no idea what you're doing. Very surprisingly, in the retail space, and again, this is a retail podcast, but but very, very much like it, that's also true in B2B and the, and the higher up in the supply chain. Mm -hmm. Those numbers are not necessarily available for the uh, operators or the executives. They're not even thinking in those terms. And one of the things that CDI does is making exposing those numbers. Cost of customer acquisition should be thought of at the store level. How much Absolutely. does it take to get a person inside the store? How much are they spending? What are the odds of them returning to me? Mm -hmm. Once you have those numbers and you're measuring them, and CDI measures them very, very carefully, then you start to improve. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you cannot change where you're at or how to get better if you don't understand the complete landscape of your business, right? And to your point, you're absolutely right. If you don't understand your customer acquisition, because there's a difference between your customer entry and your customer acquisition, right? I can have 100 people walk into my store, but if they leave empty-handed just as they came in, 
that represents no add-on value to my business versus the customers that come in and they actually leave with merchandise in their hands and they're excited and they tell their family about it and they want to come back and repeat that business with more people with the hand in hand, you know? So yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think for, for every business uh, out there, especially for all of you guys, entrepreneurs, right? It's very important that you guys focus exactly on what Roy is talking about, right? Understand the complete landscape of your business because it's not just the sales that are at the POS. It's not just the sales that are coming in your e-commerce store. It's the entire perspective of how much is it costing you to get these customers and what can you do to improve that experience for them? What can you do to give them more ad value, right? But you, you cannot really start doing those things if you don't even understand the cost of your customers, right? That, that, that's the foundation of it so that you know, hey, am I spending enough? Maybe you're not spending enough and you could be acquiring a way of a lot more customers, you know? So yeah, absolutely right. And uh, Roy, in relationship to City Hive, you know, what would be the, the most add-on value that you guys feel like you bring to businesses? Like for everybody that's listening out there, right? If, if I have my own business and we're striving and we're succeeding and we're becoming more and more success, successful and we have more budget in order to kind of enter into new landscapes, right? What would you recommend would be those things that you would say, hey, you're at a point that you need to focus on these specific strategies in order to continue growing your business? And how does City High, City High really allow them or help them to, to do that next step? So there are a few points. Uh, and they're all uh, very much connected, but the first and I think maybe most important thing is customer ownership. Um, business's most valuable asset is the customers. It's not the inventory. It's also, well, it's related to their brand, but it's not their brand. It's the customer ownership. Customer ownership, strong customer ownership is a result of a strong brand, maybe a good inventory offering. But customer ownership is, is an extremely important thing. And we think and we give retailers that work with us an extremely robust set of tools to know their customers, engage with them, and get them to uh, uh, to be loyal. And it's a consolidated platform, not strictly digital. It works in-store, it works online, it works on mobile. We give significant capabilities there. The second point where I think uh, it's kind of a more broad point uh -huh. It used to be uh, that the POS was considered the beating heart of the business, uh -huh. uh, at least in retail. And it, that was to a certain degree true in, I would say, uh, five, maybe 10 years ago. In a certain sense, POS are hardware, and as hardware, they are... Uh, uh, they tend to become a, a, have a weight on the shoulders of the business in terms of preventing innovation. Many of the retailers that we've encountered and, and, and general, general trend in the, in, the, in the market have a POS that has been there for a few years uh -huh. and basically became legacy. So one of the values that CDI brings to businesses is 
opening up tremendous opportunities for innovation without actually replacing the POS. We integrate to any, any POS in the market, over 400 labels of them, abstract them away, and then allow you to introduce innovation to your operations, marketing, and business. And we do that without requiring, you know, heavy, heavy uh, infrastructure investment or a complete replacement of the POS. Very often we encounter uh, businesses that approach us and say, hey, we'd love to work with us, but we want to replace our POS first. That's thinking hardware first. And businesses, retail businesses, need to think software first today because software is agile. And retail businesses in 2021 and moving forward need to be very agile to compete. Yes. They can't install heavy, expensive things in the store and expect to become to be competitive a year from now. Mm. Happen, like you know, we all carry a, the phones in our pockets, and the upgrade cycle of a phone is, I would say, about a year. Some of us two years. The really brave ones do four years. POS time span is sometimes said to be five years, very often 10 years. That means that you're basically nine years behind the standards of the industry. Uh -huh. And so CDI with its capabilities really abstracts away the hardware, hard costs, and really gives opportunities to business to deploy technology effectively. The last, the last point where CDI is extremely good at, I would say, is finding operational efficiencies. Uh, where businesses uh, deploy technology effectively, they become very lean and very efficient. That gives them two things immediately. One, it gives them a lot of freedom in investing back, back into the business. And two, not less important, it gives them the ability to take more money home, back to their families. And, and uh, both are very important. And so that's that's why businesses that have been working with City Hive over the last five years have been way outperforming their uh, their peers in the market, and mm -hmm. we hope to keep seeing that uh, moving forward. No, and and we wish you all the most success, and I'm sure it will continue going forward. And. You know, Roy, it was great having you and great talking to you. I think you're an inspiration to all of our listeners because you had a concept, you partner up with a, you know, inst academic institution, you made that concept into a reality. And now you five years into actually not just making a business, but helping other businesses change, right? And change in a very positive way. And I think that's the definition of not just the American dream, but the dream that we all have as entrepreneurs, right? How do I start a business that transcends beyond the money? How do I start a business that transcends beyond just the sales and actually empowering other folks to grow their businesses and to grow their dreams and make them into reality? So thank you so much for the conversation. Thank you so much for the time. And my very last question to you, and we will leave with this question, if you had one piece of advice, you know, you were in a room full of brand new entrepreneurs, what would be your one piece of advice that you would give to them as they start their professional careers? It's a good question. Um, you know, we're in a, we're, I'm leaving a technology business. Mm -hmm. and, uh, 
we're uh, very uh, gung-ho about technology and, uh, and data and uh, the ability of those to transfer many different domains uh, we operate in. Uh, but I would say all it takes to make a really, really good business is a handful of good people. Yes. I've been fortunate to have very good people in my company. Start with a good team. I love it. I, I completely agree with you. You're only as strong as your weakest link. And that is critical for every business owner out there, guys. You, it, it's one of the most challenging things is finding the correct people, right? At the right time for the right job at the right moment. And it's hard, but it's so worth it because you are only as strong as the people in your team. And that is so true, Roy. Thank you so much for that piece of advice. That's wonderful. And it was great talking to you. I hope we can, you know, have another chat maybe in a year or so and see where City Hive is at, see where you guys are going and what you guys are doing. But we really appreciate your time. And uh, for everybody else listening, if you have any questions, we'll be posting uh, City Hive's information on the footer so that you guys can reach out to them and you can really use their services to continue growing your business. And uh, also, I think if you have any questions or if you guys want to participate in the Retail Corner podcast, please don't hesitate to give us a call or send us an email. Roy, it was a pleasure talking to you and you guys have a, an amazing day. Thank you so much for your time. Absolutely my pleasure. Thanks, Carlos. See you soon. Thank you. If you wish to have a conversation with us, then email us at retailcorner at proxima360.com or visit our website at theretailcorner.proxima360.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. Stay safe and see you next time.